Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 16 says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And we're talking about the world system, the cosmos. And so what we did is we actually, I did finish up on 1 John 2, 16. Uh, verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse number 16, uh, two weeks ago, um, because obviously last week we had Ryan Starks ministering, and he did a great job. I told him we'd invite him back, probably, you know, you have to have him back sometime. Um, but uh, we finished up on that, um, and we were seeing how the enemy operates in the world's uh, systems in order to deceive and lead people away from Christ. Uh, Before we get into verse 17 and 18, I want to share again what the Lord has been working with me on concerning a balanced Christian lifestyle. Now, I am am under the conviction that we're going to have to walk through some difficult things coming up um, just in America, in the world in general. I mean, I don't know if you're watching the news at all, um, but I've noticed this my whole life, that people are the same. It doesn't matter what technology they have. And superpowers, as they call them, superpowers, there's really only one superpower, and he's on the right hand, he's on the throne, right? But the world system, they're always jockeying for position. So I don't know if you've seen some of the things with Russia and China uh, and their kind of cooperation thing that they got going on. And, you know, when, when political leaders shift and parties end up in leadership in one place or another and all of this, there are deals going on that we don't know about behind the scenes. All right, we know in a sense that things are going on because the scripture talks about them, but uh, in in a detailed sense, sometimes we don't know. And so, in order for us to walk through the different things that we're facing in the earth and continue to face, and we'll always have some level of difficulty that we're going to have to deal with, we have to learn to walk by faith. Okay, so everything in the scripture is written to prepare you, not to scare you. Okay. So, um, so, you know, like for, for I know that uh, I've heard this stated before that uh, people uh, have believed in the rapture because they're scared to go through something difficult, you know, so they think, well, I'm going to get out of here so I won't have to mess with anything. But that's not why I believe in it, okay? Um, but everything in Scripture is written for preparation. So we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? So we know that as we feed on this word and look to the word concerning the situations and different things that we face in our life, that faith is coming into our lives. Now that faith is activated how? It's activated by speaking, or I would say this, it starts with speaking and then doing. I would put speaking in the doing category to a degree, although I do believe that you actually have to put feet to your faith. Right? So eventually, you know, we can, we can pray for all the lost people in the world and repeatedly pray for them. But ultimately, unless you go share the gospel, you can bind and loose all you want to. But until somebody goes, they won't be born again. You know what I mean by that? You understand what I'm saying by that? This is why Christians will break laws this is why North Korea has, you know, uh, people will put uh, Bibles in balloon, uh, on, on, attach them to some sort of hot air, not a hot air balloon, but like a balloon system and fly them into North Korea and then they pop and the Bibles drop in. Why? Because it's illegal to just take them in. But they know that unless the gospel is presented, unless the word is given, people won't be born again. You have to go. You eventually have to do something. It's the whole, it's the difference you know, as far as speaking truth, it's the difference between um, I'm just going to declare something so I see that Scotty has a need in his life and I just say, be warmed and be filled like a good faith person. No, you actually have to what? You have to actually do something, right? Prayer is important, but eventually you have to put feet to those prayers, you know? And so um, in this, we're learning how to balance. So... Um, I know I don't have a full understanding of all of this yet, but the scriptures are helping us um, gain that. And so uh, I just want to discuss this one thing before we move into verse 17 or share this one thing. And that is this. And I already have said this before, but I want to read it again. God has blessed us 
all so very much. Okay, even in America, you may think, well, I'm broke. Actually, you're the wealthiest broke person in all the world. Because the poverty level in America is actually very wealthy compared to every, most other countries in the world. Okay, um, I mean, even our homeless people have cell phones. You know, just reality. You know, they have access to things. That a lot of, I mean, homeless in other countries or poor in other countries, I mean, we have no idea. We've never experienced it. We actually have never really had it that bad, you know, for the most part. Even if things at times have been difficult. So we're very blessed. Even in the midst of a world that is dying from sin, we can still so easily see God's goodness and enjoy so many of the good things he created. Uh, verse 15 and 16, in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, deal with the subject that as a minister and pastor, I have, I have struggled to relate to people because you don't want to love the world, right? You don't want to give, um, you know, it says if, if the love of the world is in you, then the love of the Father is not. Well, what does that mean? God is not saying you can't enjoy anything in life because I'm about to prove that scripturally. But what he's saying is, is that the supreme thing in our life needs to be him. Whenever that gets out of place, it causes all of us problems. Whenever we get that out of whack in our thinking, in our pursuits, everything, no matter what the pressures of life are, if God isn't first in the line of making the decision and, and pointing the direction of our lives, we'll get ourselves into trouble. Okay? So I want you to see the balance of this. Um, so, I believe the Holy Spirit is helping us to do a better job of putting into words um, what we've sensed or what I've sensed in my heart. God is not opposed to natural things in this life that we enjoy. Okay? He wants us to enjoy the outdoors, family. Now, I've said this for four weeks now. Okay? It's four weeks because one week was Ryan teaching, so um, it's been four weeks. I've said it for three weeks. But he's not opposed to any of these things. Um, enjoying family, obviously spouses, kids, uh, our spouse, our kids, sports, money, food, entertainment, vacations, vehicles, houses. You know, I could go on and on and on, okay? How many are thankful for airplanes? You know, I mean, it beats walking to China or wherever. You know what I mean? It beats uh, a wagon, a buggy, and a horse, right? Uh, by far, having a vehicle. Uh, whether it's a gas vehicle or an electric vehicle, a new vehicle or an old vehicle. God's not against these things. What God is opposed to is when these things hold a higher place in our lives than he does. Maturing believers take time to hear from God concerning the order of their life, and then they adjust all natural things to that leading. This is maturing believers. Now, don't just think, oh yeah, I know that. Pray about it and see what you know. Because I know, I know ministers of God that are close to the Lord and have walked with the Lord for years, and they're still making corrections on things. Men, men and women of God that I consider to be mothers and fathers in the faith to me that have levels, that have reached levels of knowing the Lord that are outside of what I've walked in. And yet they're still making adjustments. They'll still, I, I'm thinking of a minister that I, we were, Heidi and I, in the, and were sitting, eating lunch with a while back. And um, this was several months back. And they just said to me about a particular thing. You know, I just want to focus on what the Lord wants me to do. And they made a statement about something that they didn't want to do anymore. And I'm thinking, I know this person. I know they know the Lord. And yet there's something in their life that they need to make adjustment on. Okay, so we get in trouble when church and relationship or when relationship with the Lord starts to boil down to I was there on Wednesday. So what about Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Well, I went to my men's meeting on Saturday once a month, and then I went on Wednesday, and then I went on Sunday, and I went for vessels of honor and for the regular service. Ooh. The Lord probably has got a special set of pins for you in heaven. 
All of those things are important. But who's running your day-to-day life? So this is something that the Lord wants to deal with. Not because, not because he's uh, uh, just a control freak. It's actually because he's a life and life a more abundantly freak. A freak's not a good word. Just forget that. Just That's trash. A God of love who knows that if you really and I really want to experience maximum enjoyment in life, he has to lead it all. He has to lead it all, right? Now, this is a little harder than you might think. This takes a little bit of uh, uh, self-awareness. Actually, a lot bit. To where you'll sit down and go, okay, Lord, talk to me about this. Because actually, I've watched this happen. I've seen the tendency could happen in my own life, but I've watched it happen in different people's lives where they they are faithful to certain things church-wise, but you don't see any significant spiritual growth in their life or change over spans of years. That scares me. Not for you, for me. Now, I don't want it to happen to anybody else, but that means what? That I could do that. Right? So all of these things we have in the natural are good. They just can't take the place of God. So um, I I have this written down, and I just stated this, but I want to say it again. Mature believers take time to hear from God concerning the order of their life, and then they adjust All natural things to that leading. They adjust all. If if God is your Lord, he lords everything. Do you know Jesus is not a pseudo king? You say, what do you mean by that? He's not a king. He, He doesn't go, oh, yeah, I'm the king. Oh, you want to be the king? Oh, you go ahead and be the king. He is the king of all kings. And we and Christians love this, especially us charismatics. I mean, we love this. Yeah, I'm a king. Yeah, but you didn't hear what I said. He's your king. Which means if he's the king of all kings, that means you remove your crown at the sight of his. And you say, "You lead. You gave me the crown. Where does it go?" Now that crown of authority only works where he leads. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think I could run, jump, shout. Why? Because our flesh goes, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, you get to die, flesh. That's what you get to do. I'm going to be so good at dying by the time it's time for my flesh to die, it won't even be a problem. I'll just be like, I was killing you the whole time anyway. I was nuking your your desires and wants anyway the entire time. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw you off and go on. All right, so carnal or immature believers, they're believers, they're Christians, but they're carnal. And carnal and immature are synonymous, you realize that, in Scripture. They, believers, either hear from God and then allow the world system and natural desires to dictate what they do, or they don't even bother hearing from God at all. They simply make their own plans following their own desires. This type of action in a believer can stem from ignorance and rebellion. And people say, oh, I'm a Christian. I can't have rebellion. (laughs) That's cute. That's cute. No, you still have flesh, and it still has the same nature. And the more you yield to it, you actually can know you're born again, but function in in a contrary way to what the Lord would have for you. You know, we live in a a generation where like, whatever you want to be, you can be it. You just, you just, you are wonderful, gifted, just whatever you want, you can become. If you work hard enough, if you try hard enough, actually in the kingdom, you can't be whatever you want. 
And you're not in the world, you're not of the world, you're in God's kingdom. He actually prepared for you before you were ever born to do what he had for you to do. And then anointed you to do that. Right? Gifted you, empowered you to be able to do that. And it takes effort to find that. Do you know if you're serving well in, in, in your day-to-day life, if you're yielded to the Lord and you're serving others well and serving the body of Christ as a whole and you're really intuitive to the Spirit of God and flowing with the Spirit of God, you're not like you know showing up greeting people on Sunday like, oh man, i got to shake those people's hands again. That one person, they never wash their hands. And then that other person... How are you going to have a word of knowledge like that? But the more you get intimate with the Lord, the more you know him. I was in a place recently. I was in a movie theater. I went to a movie. You say, what movie? I'm not going to tell you. I went to a movie, and then afterwards, I'm walking out, and there's some people there that I know. And before you know it, I'm praying for somebody in the hallway at the movie theater. Why? Well, because I know how to pray for people everywhere. I know the Holy Ghost there as much as I know him anywhere. And in that moment, I knew this needs to be taken, something needs to be taken care of here. But if I'm not in tune with the Lord, if I'm just, if I'm just, if I've developed, overly developed and lived in natural desires for most of my Christian walk, guess what? I'm not going to hear the Holy Ghost like I should. I'll run right over the top of him. In other words, he'll prompt me to do something and I won't do it. Not because necessarily, I mean, it is a little bit of rebellion because I didn't grow up like I should have spiritually, but some of it is due to ignorance too because I just don't know because I'm so in natural things that are going on that I don't even hear from him. Did you know that there is absolutely, for the mature believer, there is absolutely no excuse ever to be insensitive to the Holy Spirit? Ever. Well, you don't know how busy I am. You're too busy. Cut things out. Log your TV time for a week. Write down the hours. Or whatever it is that you desire to do naturally. Write down the hours. See how many hours it is. And then translate that, because that's just usually what we call, quote unquote, downtime, right? Translate that and go, okay, how can I divide this up to heighten my level of sensitivity to the Lord? And it will remove the carnality out of our lives. Now, sometimes people think, well, you know, that's kind of strong. Or really, you really think the Lord requires that? Well, I know this. You can, you can make heaven and not do it. But if you want to experience any level of or high level of intimacy and effectiveness in your relationship with the Lord, knowing the Lord, and then effectiveness here in this earth in manifestation of truths, God's truths then the reality is you're going to have to go to that level. The, the, the principle is take up your cross and take up your cross and do all the things that make you feel good. Maybe I won't get past verse 16. <laughs> I got some stuff I want to preach on. And some of you are looking at me like, well, why are we being scolded? You're not being scolded. You're being encouraged to get out of the flesh and get into the spirit. Well, I'm tired. Uh huh. What if Jesus did this on the way to Golgotha? What if he yielded in in sleep like the disciples did instead of praying? We don't realize sometimes how much control our flesh has in our lives. It's greater than you think. It's greater than you think. It's greater than I think. I'm saying the Lord's saying, all right, let's go to another level. Let's go to another level. Let's go. And and the level of enjoyment that will come, and this is what I want to get to, because we all like the enjoyment part. 
So I believe that as we continue to mature spiritually, we will find the place of satisfaction and contentment in the Lord, both spiritually and naturally. This is a tough thing to find, but we're going to do it. Putting our full trust in the Lord concerning his kingdom and the enjoyment of things in this life will bring us into the balance we desire and many times struggle to find. There is only one way to peace, and that is through loving God above all. Believers who decide not to put their full trust in God do so because of a lack of faith and they allow natural desires and fear to rule their decisions. I'm going I'm to read that again. You, me, doesn't matter who it is. Believers who decide not to put their full trust in God do so because of a lack of faith You say, what do you mean by a lack of faith? You're not operating at a level of faith that you could. Now, how many here are operating at the maximum level of faith? (laughs) Okay. Now, does that mean it's not attainable? No, it's attainable. What does that mean? Adjustments have to be made on what? My part, right? In order to walk in that level, correct? Okay. So... We can do this if we, walk, we, we, we are operating in a lack of faith. And what we end up doing is we allow natural desires and fear to rule our decisions. We fear things won't go the way we want, so we do what? I'm not going to let you lead anymore, Lord, because it's not going the way I thought you. Or, Lord, you gave me a word and a direction for my life, but I'm not going to do it now because all these surrounding things happened. What is that? If I back out of that, it's not the unpardonable sin, but what is it? I'm backing away. It's a lack of what? It's a lack of faith. So how does faith come? So you got to fellowship with the Lord to overcome that, right? I have to fellowship with the Lord to overcome that in order to get to the place where I'm living at a level in, in a level of obedience with the Lord or whatever it is overcoming whatever area of our life it is, in order to get to that place, I've got a fellowship with the Lord because that's where the faith is and that's where the fear and the insecurities and the natural things that dominate my life get removed. They get taken out of my soul. Transformation of the mind has to take place through time. It doesn't happen through just, uh, I've been saved... I've been saved for a really long time, so it should automatically happen. No, I have to fellowship with the Lord, take that time with the Lord, and as I do, and as I see his will, then I make decision after decision in faith to follow his will. And when things seem contrary to what he promised me, I go with what he said, and as I do, the manifestation comes forth. But what takes place? I prove that I can do what I didn't think, what the fear told me, what the natural circumstances told me couldn't be done. And that's not just for me. You're going to do that. In the name of Jesus. You're going to do it whether you failed seven times in the last three hours or not. Because faith people don't consider a a fall down as the end. It's an opportunity to get up. So you can get where God has you to be, right? So let me prove it to you. The Lord wants you to have nice stuff and enjoy things. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse number 17 says this. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the what? Where is your trust? That's easy to say. What if all your riches were taken? What if you don't have a job tomorrow? What if your nest egg went kapoof? You come talk to me, but I'll show you this. (laughs) I'll show you this. What if the economy crashed so bad? Quote, unquote, crashed. (laughs) These things are, you know, the enemy's functioning in the earth. 
Where is my trust? Well, I don't worry anymore about those things. Well, why is that? Well, I got 30 grand in the bank. So you're telling me you have uncertain faith because those are uncertain riches. 30 grand ain't that much anyway. And I guess in some people's minds, it's all a matter of perspective. There's probably 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds in here going, 30 grand? What could I do with that? <laughs> well, uh, granted, it'll buy you a lot of, you know, bubble gum or video game time, whatever. But in, in people that have been at it for a while go, I can spend that in an afternoon. <laughs> Less than an afternoon. Okay? I'm not against life insurance. I'm not against any of those things. But what if they were gone? What if your retirement was gone? Well, my retirement's with ExxonMobil. It can't go under. <laughs> What? They are what? Well, if you want security for your future, invest with, you need gold. You need silver. <laughs> you need Jesus. Your faith is to be in the what? Living God. What will make a rich person haughty? They know more than everybody else. Why? Because they have so much money. You think money makes you superior? Don't be what? Don't be haughty, nor trust in us, but in the living God who what? Richly all things to enjoy. Who gives the things that we enjoy? Now listen to this. I want you to hear this. The word enjoy suggests an advantage or pleasure. It means to obtain a thing. It's synonymous with the word delight, savor, experience, to relish, to utilize or employ. It means to derive or receive pleasure from, get enjoyment from, or take pleasure in. So does God want you to enjoy your life? But not at the expense of what? His lordship. His lordship. I heard Keith Moore say this years ago. He said, there's a whole lot of people, if they had a whole lot of money and a short amount of time, you wouldn't see them anymore around church. Why? It would reveal something about what? Their heart. They actually love something more than, I'm not taking up an offering at the end of service. Some of you are looking at me like, he's going to take up an offering. This is one of them guys. I've seen them on TV. Notice that the arrogant or rich person is this way because their faith is misplaced. They have more trust in currency than the creator. This is a person who values the natural advantages of money over the kingdom of God. Until the wealthy understand who gives the natural blessings, they will never enjoy them as they should. I'm going to say it again. Listen closely. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's not me. It is you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ has actually made you rich. That's what the Bible says. Now, that's two ways. Of course, it's spiritually, but you're designed to have a, a full supply and to manage that. But until the wealthy understand who gives the natural blessings, they will never enjoy them as they should. In other words, when God is first place in our lives and we walk in God level, then we walk in God levels of enjoyment. Now, there's another side to that, but I'm not going to get into it, where there's workaholics and they never enjoy anything. Stick in the mud, right? Never can have any fun at all. How many know there's a time to party? I mean, biblical party, but you know what I mean. There's a time to party. There is. But there's most of the time is to get something done. Well, I just want the government to take care of me. Well, then move to Europe <laughs> or someplace else where that goes. But here, 
and how we operate here and kingdom principles are, if you don't work, you don't. That's a biblical principle. But on the other side of that, as you are honoring the, the Lord and putting things in proper perspective, he will give you things to enjoy. So it isn't a matter of, oh, it's got to be all this laborious, oh, woe is me. I got to, first of all, serving in the kingdom. If it's woe is me for you, you ain't doing it right. All right. And it's not all, all it's not this, oh, I just, if I, if I. This has gone through the church for years. And I know this is just a soapbox for me. This probably won't make much sense to most of you. But there was a, there was a time in the church world where um, ministers actually were abandoning their families and the raising of their families to try and win the world, but they were losing their own soul, their own home, so to speak. So there was teaching for years about the importance of taking time, you know, making sure that you're ministering to your family and, and doing what you're supposed to in your family and doing what you're supposed to in the church. And, you know, because you have these responsibilities. We all have these responsibilities. Yours may not be church, but it is a job. Okay? But what happened in that is this. And the prosperity message came along, which is not wrong. God's not against you having things, you know. I always want to say to the people that are like, you know, well, God doesn't, he doesn't believe in that prosperity. I always want to say, well, then give me all your money. Because I don't want you to go to hell over all the money you have. <laughs> anyway, I'm really good at arguing some of those things. Anyway, so. <laughs> but people turned it into, I can do whatever I want whenever I want. And that is sin. That is missing the mark. Because when it comes to the things of God and the blessings, the natural blessings, where does first place land? Who is first place? Christ only. So if he's my first place, and this is going to become, sometimes people think, well, I don't see how this really applies to us. Well, I will say this. The more the enemy operates, because we're about to get into the spirit of the Antichrist. Let's go to verse 17 in 1 John 2, 17. We're going to get into this. The more the enemy operates, it will, and the more he increases the stuff that he's trying to do and doing in the earth, we better be on our toes. You know what I mean? Um, and, and what I mean by that is we've got to be on our spiritual toes. So we need to be aware of the Lord, which means I need to be mo more in tune with the with the Holy Spirit that I am with the natural world, right? So I got to have this balance where Christ is first place and everything else is below that. God is first in everything, right? In every area. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 17 says this, and the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides for how long? Forever. Well, the world here, again, is the cosmos, and it means an orderly arrangement or a decor. I like this, a decoration. So it's the order and arrangement of the world's systems and its authorities. So I'll put it to you like this. If, if you're thinking of it, decoration. Decorations are on the Christmas tree, but they're not the tree. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay. The world under Christ's reign will be decorated with righteousness instead of unrighteousness like it currently is. Does that make sense? Okay. But this world system is passing away. And it actually means to depart is what that word, those words mean. So the world systems, systems, the way they are doing things are passing away. As we come closer and closer to the rapture of the church, the systems of the world under the lordship of Satan and the people who subject themselves to this system will progressively grow worse and worse. It is the pattern. Anybody that fellowships with Satan will not be better off at the end. If you give yourself wholly to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, if you give into the world system and the way the enemy is operating in the world system, you end up participating in the spirit of death. And the spirit of death has seeds just like the spirit of life does. And the spirit of death will produce a harvest of what? You plant death, you will reap a death plant. That's what you'll reap out of it. It's a principle. A seed never lies. It, 
A seed never lies. It will produce what's inside of it. You can't go, well, I'm going to be bitter at my husband for the rest of my life and then expect joy to be harvested out of your heart. It cannot happen. Well, these people hurt me and these people hurt me and those people hurt me and that person hurt me and this person behind me hurt me and they over there hurt me and they hurt me and they hurt me and they hurt me and I just have triggers. And I can go around going, don't you, Mike, don't you, don't you push my triggers. Because if I go off, it's your fault. No, it's my fault. Or I can sow forgiveness. I can get out of the world system and I can do what Jesus, what if Jesus did that? I mean, I healed all these people and now they're going to crucify me. I raised that lady's son from the dead. I healed them of leprosy. I healed some I healed a Pharisee's kid. I grew limbs back. I manifested multiplied bread and fish. And they think they're going to kill me? I don't deserve this. When you put it in that perspective, it gets quiet quick. Because you go, oh, yeah, I really got nothing to complain about. Because if, really, if you really boil it down, have I ever done anything wrong? Me? Jesus didn't do a thing wrong. And yet harvested all the wrong. So that we could be brought into the right. So do we have any right to function in the bitterness of the world system, the unforgiveness of the world system. We have none. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what anybody's done. We can forgive them in Christ and move on. I didn't say you had to move in with them and trust them. I said you could forgive them. Right? So by all biblical implications... Um, they will get what they want from the Antichrist. That's what will happen with the passing away world. They'll get what they desire. They don't want Christ, right? They don't want him in the systems. All right, verse 18. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to break in. That's what we're going to do. Break in, just break in. So in this section of, of Scripture... Uh, we're talking about deceptions of the last hour. So here in this section, we have a warning to the body of Christ. Specifically, we have a warning to those who are younger in the Lord. John, by the Holy Spirit, is warning the believers concerning Antichrist doctrine and influence. We see that these Antichrists are actually in the church, and they're still functioning, knowing the truth of the word of God and following the leading of the Holy Spirit within us is what protects us from deception. So verse 18 says, little children, and it actually has to do with infants in the Lord, but we're going to uh, break off of this verse and talk about several things. But infants or young believers tend, are the ones that can tend to be deceived. But, but uh, John says this, little children, it is the last hour. And the word last actually means uttermost. Hour, and hour means season. So it is the uttermost season. And you, and, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So part of, the, part of, the, uh, um, part of our understanding concerning where we're at is there'll be Antichrists, and Antichrist things going on. So Antichrist, by definition means an opponent of the Messiah. Now, don't think I jumped subjects here. I haven't changed. From the very beginning to where we're at right now, I have not changed one bit. See, sometimes people think they have this idea. They go, well, you were just talking about money, and then you were talking about the flesh, and you were talking about the pride of life and the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, and you were talking about not loving the world. Yes, the world system is an antichrist system. And it functions 
And its main, it functions through launching thoughts into your mind that coincide with the desires of your flesh. And if you're going to understand how to defeat that, walk in intimacy with the Lord while advancing the kingdom of God, you're going to have to understand how those things operate. If you don't, we're going to be cleaning you up. You say, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is simply this. The enemy will we'll end up having to band around, which we can do, to help a believer get back up and get going in the right direction because they yielded to something that they weren't supposed to. Now, the reason why this is significant, because and John makes these statements, it's the last hour, it's the last time, it's the last season, the end of this thing. The reason why it's important is because the enemy heightens his activity the further time goes. And so he's going to be operating in such a way that he desires to actually, and, and is moving toward this, to get as many people into his crew as he can. And what better prize than a believer for him? So what is antichrist? It means an opponent of the Messiah. The word can mean, and you need to hear this, against Christ, or it can mean instead of Christ. Which I, I believe, personally, I believe that the antichrist as a person will be both obviously against Christ, but he will present himself as the Christ. Does that make sense? Now, it may seem frivolous. It may seem like, well, yeah, you know, Sean, I, I know that, but we, you know, where we live, we're kind of in a bubble, and we can just enjoy our lives and bump along like we should, and if you can show me that in the scripture, I'll, I'll agree with you. What I mean by that is, if we can overly be in the natural and God's okay with it, and you can prove that to me from the scriptures, I'll go ahead and agree with what you're saying. But I don't see that. I see the Lord Jesus say things like, You're to walk as I walked, you're to live in the Spirit daily. Right? We're to live in a place in the spirit where we are daily in, in fellowship with him. And I've noticed this in my own life. The longer I do this, the quicker I see the enemy a mile out. The more I'm aware of what he's trying to do in advance in trying to cause problems in my life or in the things that I'm involved in. It's amazing. You know, and sometimes people think, well, that doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal or, or that it's that important, except the more, the more intimate you walk with the Lord, you realize the significance of things. You realize the importance of things. You realize, I think probably everybody in this room knows this, especially if, you're in your, if you've moved along in years in the Lord, a lot longer than others, but you realize how your decisions affect everything. How many, if you could, would go back and redo some things? Now, thank God for grace and mercy. But you realize, oh, this is what's wonderful about intimacy with the Lord. He's already walked the path. So you actually don't have to repeat the same. You actually don't have to make future mistakes if you'll listen to him, be in intimacy with him, and walk his path. Amen? And so we're going to get into this as far as the Antichrist goes. And when the spirit of the Antichrist, I should say, I'm not going to tell you who the Antichrist is because I have no idea. And anybody that tells you they know, they don't. All right. <laughs> But we're going to get into what the spirit of the Antichrist, how it operates. And we're going to go into 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through probably 9, but 12 will be in there as well. And we're going to end up filling all this in through the rest of the month that I'm, I think I'm speaking all the way through April. 
and then almost all the way through May, except for one. I, I'm out on one of them. So we're going to hit this. We're going to talk about verse 18 and get through it all. So my challenge to you to this for, for tonight is this, and for the rest of the week, and into, until we come back together next week. Sit down with the Lord and ask him to start talking to you about what adjustments he wants you to make individually. Now, don't sit down with the Lord and make a list for your wife or your husband. Okay. Don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm not talking about you, well, you know, I would be able to do what I'm supposed to if my siblings weren't such ding-dongs. You know what I mean? None of that. We're not talking about selfishness here. We're not talking about the, the roots of how the world operates and how carnality operates. We're talking about true fellowship with the Lord. I dare you to ask, Lord, do I love you more than everything in my life? I'm surprised nobody's jumping up and down and shouting over this. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean by this? Does that make sense? Now, how many of uh, you, you know, you've studied a book or you've, you've done a workbook or something, and it's a, it's a Christian thing, and there's a prayer in, in there that you're supposed to pray? We have these in our men's book right now. But how many have done that before? Like you, you, in there it says, you need to pray this prayer. You know, you can pray that prayer and not mean it. <laughs> or you can pray that prayer. And this is where, and people think, if I do that, I'm going to lose. There are people that are nervous to pray that prayer. Do you know why? Because you don't want to give up Something that you think you love. In that case, I double dog dare you. <laughs> Triple dog. You can't get any higher than that. I mean, that's it. There's no quadruple dog dare. It's triple and that's it. <laughs> Did I just hear the stamp thing? Yes, yeah. Why would we be scared to pray the prayer? Right? I remember when Heidi and I were first married. Actually, it was before we were married. I think I told her, if the Lord tells us to move to China, we're moving to China. And Heidi was like, she knew me enough to know that I'm going to do this if the Lord tells me to do it. And in her mind, she's like, oh, God, no. You know, we'll be giants compared to everybody else, you know. <laughs> We'd be in China. All right, anyway, except for Yao Ming. Yao Ming is tall. <clears throat> but anyway, I remember her saying this. At some point, she just finally got it settled. No, I'm just going to pray about it. If that's what God wants us to do, Sign me up. We're out of here. Why? Where is my greatest joy? It's in the middle of his will. Do you really want to go to the next level? Do I really want to go to the next level? God's been dealing with me about some things, and it is going to cost me in more ways than one. But I just don't feel like dying before I'm supposed to. And I have had this much fun so far. And I'm just getting really good at having fun in this thing. Why not go the rest of the way? And it is going to make some people so mad what I'm going to do. That he's asked me to do. Not you people. Other people. Because how many know Paul had revival? 
and he had riot. I wonder if Paul chuckled after he was beat up sometimes. <laughs> you know you'd have to be full of the Holy Ghost to do it. If we want to see what they saw, we have to be willing to go where they went. And I'm talking about loving God first. I know this message is tough, but you're, you can handle it. People say, well, I feel like we got halfway through the steak. Well, smaller pieces and chew more. I'm not looking at people that aren't going to do the will of God. Come on, this is a church that has healings. We have deliverances. We have people set free and filled with the Holy Ghost on fire for God. We have people that are set free from mania, drugs, all of that stuff. And it's not just the preacher's fault. It's your fault. You prayed. You laid hands on people. You're just as much to blame as me. If I go to prison, you're going too. Prison ministry. I always wanted a prison ministry. What a <laughs> but I mean, if, if I'm going to see shackles fall off and jail cell doors open, I got to be there. Well, that's not really faith, Sean. Real faith would be you could just go do whatever you want, spend all the money you want, live in a big house. And No, that's not real faith to me. That's weak faith. Real faith is raising the dead, having manna come out of heaven. Real faith is... We are so in love with Jesus that everything in this natural world means nothing compared to him. There's actually a passage of scripture, and I think it's in Hebrews, but it talks about the fact that Paul said, it is in Hebrews, Paul said this, he said, you willingly had all your goods plundered for the sake of the gospel. That's the only time I believe in poverty. I'm not joking. What if they come? Well, Christians can't have money then. If you're going to be a Christian, you can't have money. <laughs> okay. Yep, not enough rejoicing yet. We have to teach on it some more. Yeah. <laughs> well, you teach prosperity. Yeah, the Bible says both in that sense. So pray the prayer. Father, we thank you for your word and for your goodness. We bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.